Hey moms, was your dinner last night the leftover chicken nuggets from your kid's try? Is your current idea of self-care closing the door when you pee? If the only chance you have for exercise is the squats you do when you pick up your kid's Legos, well then take a seat, mama. You're in the right place. I'm Corinne. And I'm Jess. And this is Mama Mama Bites. Okay, listeners, we are so glad that you're listening to the Pelvic Floor Edition. Pelvic Floor. (laughs) We need to come up with a new theme song just for the Pelvic Floor stuff Um, of the Mama Bites podcast. And you might be wondering why we're doing a Pelvic Floor episode. And sure, we came to this starting with intuitive eating and that um, movement and mindful eating. But really quickly, I feel like into podcasting, we, and and is our general beliefs as well, but we're really finding how much we want to speak to the integrated parts of mm-hmm. every mom. And this is such a question mark for so many moms. Like, why is my body doing this? Mm-hmm. Why is this different? I don't understand. And, and also, you know, in our interview with Courtney Wyckoff, sort of like in that unsettled place Mm -hmm. when our bodies are in a new place. Mm -hmm. Well, and then to hear from like many Western physicians, like that's just how it is now. Right, right. This is, this This is is your new normal. Right, right. You're just going to pee every time. All the time. You sneeze. No more laughing. No. And, and don't take your kid to a trampoline park. No trampolines. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So, so yeah, I think we really felt like this was, um, along with several other topics we'll be covering soon, mm-hmm. this was like an essential thing because it comes up in our practice all the time working with women, um, you know, like around eating issues and all that. But like, you know, people come with a, you know, multifaceted, you come in with a lot right. of different things. Right. And We're so beings, right. Yeah. So I, I've been referring people to pelvic floor PT, kind of not even really knowing what I'm doing. Sure. Like, I'm just like, that sounds like a down there problem. You should go see this lady. <laughs> so it was really awesome yeah. um, to, to kind of hear more. Yeah, absolutely. And I just think, I mean, we were in full concentration mode and just learning so much. So we know that people are going to listen. And anything that helps women feel more empowered and more in in connection to their body and in charge of their bodies and um, in touch. And so that this is right down to the very foundation of our our being as Mm -hmm. people. uh, And, you know, like, and in this way, I sort of feel like we're paving the way. Mm-hmm. Um, every, everybody has a pelvis. Mm. Um, uh, I think women are finally getting a little more help with it. And uh, maybe men will follow us as well mm. along mm-hmm. the way. Mm-hmm. And um, and uh, Kathy beautifully speaks to um, how this is important for women, men, and transgendered people. Everybody, everybody's got a pelvis for the most part. And um, it's all really important. So I think too, like, I don't know, I was sort of having some thoughts while we were talking just around like, you know, you know, my favorite philosophy of 
how you do anything is how you do I everything. Not Jessica. Right. Quotes. So like, I just feel like, how does this then relate to like our other appetites? Mm-hmm. Like, and and the idea that like touch should be pleasurable mm-hmm. and how can we facilitate that like mm-hmm. yeah there was just mm-hmm. so much going through my mind yeah. so I do think this relates to mindfulness and eating actually right right, <laughs> right. absolutely <laughs> that actually listening to your body, body. Yes. versus what other people are going to tell you mm-hmm. how your mm-hmm. body should be should function mm-hmm. how it feels mm-hmm. no it, it no sex doesn't hurt Oh my God. <laughs> no, actually it does. And it doesn't have to yeah. either. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so we really hope that uh, our listeners find this as, as informative and educational and empowering. And stimulating. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and And still, we were very grown up listening, but, you know, we're still two 14-year-old girls at heart. Pretty much. So... <laughs> It well, was awesome. Well, Kathy educated us at her level. We did bring her to our, down we to did. our level. We did. <laughs> we did. <laughs> so hopefully that's enjoyable for you guys too. <laughs> All right, guys. Have fun. Bye. Well, Kathy, thank you so much for being on the Mama Bites podcast. Thanks for having me. We're very excited. Yeah, could you, Kathy, could you introduce yourself and tell us about how you came to your very special kind of work? Absolutely, I would be delighted. So, um, I am a family nurse practitioner, and I work part-time in a community health center, and then I work part-time as a pelvic floor therapist. So, at my community health center, I run our sexual and reproductive health program, which means that I do a ton of women's health, Um, GYN procedures, IUD insertions, the whole thing. So um, almost six years ago, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And when I finished my treatment, I was left with pelvic pain and had a lot of pain with sex. I was in surgical menopause and I was totally ill-equipped to deal with any of that Mm -hmm. and I found that so troubling as a family nurse practitioner running a sexual and reproductive health program as someone doing GYN procedures and taking care of women and families that I didn't have the skill set to be able to figure out how to help myself Mm -hmm. yeah of course So luckily I had a wonderful nurse practitioner who did a very thorough exam and said, you need pelvic floor therapy. And I said, what's that? Yeah. (laughs) And so she gave me a list of providers and she said, I think you should go to these people. So I called this wonderful practice in Wellesley. It's called TheraSpring Myofascial Release Healing Center. Mm. And that opened up this whole new world to me. And they, there's two therapists that work there, Sue and Susan. They're angels. They're just wonderful. And I began to learn so much. And as I was learning, I said to them, could I learn how to do this? (laughs) (laughs) Because I kept thinking about how the patients that we take care of at my community health center would never be able to access services like the ones that I was accessing. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
And so they said, of course you can, you're a nurse practitioner. So I was fortunate enough um, to learn about a grant opportunity through my, through, actually through the Mass League of Community Health Centers that was for primary care provider retention. So I applied for a grant and it was to give people protected time and some funding to develop an interest that they have. So I entitled my grant, Bringing Awareness of the Pelvic Floor into Primary Care. And so I was awarded the grant and so I was able to get all of this training in myofascial release, both externally and internally, with a focus on the pelvic floor. Very cool. That's so cool. Yeah. Wow. And so I was able, because I had the protected time at the health center, you know, I was able to go and do all the studying, um, learning. I also started taking um, a biomechanics class at this wonderful uh, wellness center in Cambridge called Omnamo Center. And so being able to blend the myofascial release, the biomechanics, along with being a nurse practitioner was really a cool thing yeah and so i started a pelvic floor therapy program at my health center and then i don't know word just kind of got out so the people at omnamo center said you need to start seeing people and i thought what do you mean and they said, we have a whole lot of people for you to see and then i also um work very closely with some doulas and one in particular and she said to me, you need to learn about spinning babies because mm. you know about fascia, and I have so many people to send you. So I did learn about spinning babies. Whoa. I went through a beautiful week-long training that was called uh, the Integral Touch of Birth, and it was spinning babies through the lens of spinning babies for body workers, you know, so I was with massage therapists and PTs and all this, but again, I was like, this is cool that I'm the only NP here. I love this. So then between doulas finding out about what I was doing and then the people at Omnamo Center, it just sort of grew. It organically grew. Wow. Wow. Well, I can say too, I've, I've personally sent some clients over to Kathy and it's been amazing, amazing results, but you know, Corinne and I work with a lot of women um, and moms specifically, and you know we're like banding banding about this term pelvic floor, um, and you know they'll come in and tell us that they're having issues or that their doctor said they're having some trouble with the pelvic floor. Um, what 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 is it? What is it actually? Why is it important? What does it do for us? And why does uh, why does your work help? Great questions, and so empowering for women to know the answers to all of those questions. So your pelvic floor is a group of muscles, and they act as a strong and flexible hammock, and they attach from your pubic bone to your tailbone, and then if you will, from if you can think side to side, basically they, they attach into the sitting bones, mm-hmm. and they run side to side. So, you can also think of the pelvic floor as a muscular sheet Hmm. that closes the pelvic cavity and the pelvic organs. Um, And if you're looking externally, you see three, and if you're sort of looking, if you were looking up from the feet and you were looking up, and that was your vantage point, 
So on the external surface, you see three openings, the urethra that allows the urine to pass through, the rectum, which allows the stool to pass through, and then the vagina, which if you have a vaginal delivery, you know, that's what allows you to have your vaginal delivery. Mm-hmm. Um, and those, um, and, okay. and then they also, if you look above, the pelvic floor also supports the abdominal muscles and the abdominal muscles also support the pelvic floor. Mm-hmm. Um, the muscles of your pelvic floor help you with sexual functioning I work with um, a lot of new moms, and they refer to my homework as uh, pelvic floor therapy, a.k.a. lots of foreplay and lots of intercourse. Oh, well, hello. (laughs) Minimum once a week, once you've been cleared by your OBGYN or your midwife. Wow. These are muscles like anywhere else in your body. If you don't use them, you forgive the expression, but you can lose the functioning if you don't use the muscles. What? So, Kathy, why doesn't everyone know this? I feel <laughs> I don't know because I didn't even know a lot about it. Yeah. Through traditional, you know, I, I went through an evidence-based traditional nurse practitioner rigorous training. Mm-hmm. So I think it's an important point like why doesn't everyone know about this? From the patient perspective, it's really hard because you there's just not a lot of information out there. It's not part of the sort of societal norm mm-hmm. that we talk about. And then as a provider, it's challenging because we unless you're becoming a urogynecologist or even even OBGYN, there's not a lot of training. Really, I think unless you become a urogynecologist on what the pelvic floor is. Wow. So it creates a very challenging dynamic for both the patient and the provider because providers don't like, most of the time, providers are uncomfortable when they don't know Mm. something. Yeah. So then, and as a patient, it's very hard to go in and say, I'm having pain with sex or... Every time I jump on the trampoline, a little bit of urine leaks out. That's hard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it creates this perfect storm of misunderstanding, which ultimately leads to much poorer outcomes for women. Right, mm-hmm. right. I yeah. also want to say that men also need pelvic floor therapy. Yes. Yeah, I was going to yes. ask that. Yes, this is even less known for men, I think. Totally. And also uh, transgender patients. I think it's mm-hmm. very important mm-hmm. that we... I know that the focus is on new moms, mm-hmm. um, but I think it's a very real struggle for all patients. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, what kind of situations do you, do people come in with like that you would be helpful for? So I think if we are thinking about new moms, um, we would think about urinary incontinence or leaking of urine when you don't want to. Mm-hmm. Um, the sneeze and pee. Exactly, the sneeze and pee. In fact, I think at all of those jumping parks, uh, they, they they keep pads in the bathrooms. Oh <laughs> my goodness, yes! <laughs> That's yeah. amazing. So, I mean, okay, but <laughs> I think 
I'm bringing that up because that's the extent to which everyone thinks this is normal. Yes, right. yes, yes. So why does it happen, Kathy? Why, why, in theory, if you take your children <clears throat> to a trampoline park, why do you pee a little bit when <laughs> you jump? Asking so for a friend. Factorial, but I think if we're thinking about, and so the medical term for that is incontinence. Mm-hmm. Um, a whole host of reasons. You know, when you're pregnant, um, the your you know the relaxin that hormone allows the pelvic muscles, the ligaments, everything to stretch, mm-hmm. right, to support the ever-growing uterus, right. So you can think that if those muscles that maybe you've never paid attention to before sure. and probably were already weak. Now they've been stretched, right? And now you've had your baby, and now those muscles are still pretty weak and probably pretty tight. Mm. And so they're not able to support the bladder after that whole nine months of stretching and supporting the ever-growing uterus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a very basic explanation. It's, you know, it's much much more detailed than that but sure. I, I think that's enough to to get us started yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah that's a great point tight and weak i don't mm. think people really think of those things together yeah i don't think so so you can have muscles that are weak and tight you can have muscles that are also loose and weak mm-hmm. right so mm-hmm. it's not just and if you've never what I always say to my patients is, number one, let us say thank you to, to your pelvic floor muscles for getting you through however many years of your life that they've gotten you through mm-hmm. and you've never had any complaints. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right, and it's just because they're, they're, they're muscle groups like anywhere else in your body, and it's just that it's much more acceptable to go to your PCP and say, my shoulder hurts. They mm-hmm. send you for an orthopedist and they send you for physical therapy, mm-hmm. right? But it, it's a totally different thing. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't need to be. No, no. Yeah, it shouldn't be. This is fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And mm. for the, I think for the purposes of also for new moms, you know, when you are breastfeeding, mm-hmm. you have changes to the lining of the vaginal wall, to the vaginal mucosa. Mm -hmm. So I hope, and I'm not sure how much this gets disseminated, but for example, a postpartum mom that comes in to see me and she's having pain with sex and she never did before. So the first thing we always ask about is what are you doing to hydrate, moisturize, lubricate Mm -hmm. the wall, the vaginal mucosa, the walls of the vagina Mm -hmm. because it's almost like somebody goes in there and they just suck the moisture right out Mm. when you're breastfeeding. Mm -hmm. So then if you're going to put something inside the vagina Mm -hmm. into a dry, a dry plate, it's not going to feel good. No, no. And then I think what's so hard is that, you know, most women are cleared for any kind of sexual activity, usually around their, depends, you know, for vaginal deliveries, usually around their six-week appointment, Mm -hmm. and sometimes a little longer for C-sections. It just depends. But so then what happens is 
you know, you probably haven't been having a ton of sex during your pregnancy, especially right. not towards the end. Yep. So then those muscles haven't been utilized. And then for six weeks postpartum, you haven't. Mm-hmm. And then your vagina is dry. And then, so you've got a dry vagina and you've got muscles that haven't been used. So then you're going to put something inside and expect it to feel good? Mm. No way. No way. And then what do we do when we know that something's going to hurt? Tighten up. That's right. Slash avoid it. (laughs) (laughs) Brace or avoid. That's that's the last thing we want to do, right? Because to be able to reclaim your sexuality in your postpartum period is so important. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. That's really but you interesting. want intercourse, you know, and or any kind of sexual activity. You want it to feel good. It's right. a part of who we are, right. especially as, as women, as new moms. Mm-hmm. It's crucial. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see that too, just in terms of like the integration of identity development and like who you were before and who you are now. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, can you tell us? briefly what exactly happens in pelvic floor pt oh it's a wonderful question um so i'm sure every practitioner is different but basically what you could expect is the practitioner will look at you head to toe first externally Mm -hmm. and we're assessing for if you if, if you imagine for a moment that you would be standing up facing me and you would put your thumbs on the pointy part of your hip bones that stick out. Okay. Right? So that tells us a lot, the practitioner, that tells us a lot about if the balance of your pelvis. Oh. Hmm. Right? So that's so I would put my thumbs right on those pointy parts of the hip that jut out. And so what I'm looking for is any kind of rotation in the external pelvic girdle, if you will, because that's important. Mm. I want to know about that because externally what we're trying to do is restore balance to the pelvis because all the connective tissue or the fascia inside wants balance. When we don't have balance, that's when restrictions, fascial restrictions start to occur, and that's when a lot of problems start to happen. So first thing we look at is the level of the hip bones, and I usually I would run my hand down the spinal column and have it come to rest right where the lumbar curve or your low back meets your sacrum. And I'm very interested on the tilt, the forward mm-hmm. or backward tilt, if you will, of your pelvis. Again, trying to with the focus that eventually we're going to bring that into neutral. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So all of that is you got to start there. Wow. Uh-huh. So from the outside. Yes, you have inside. to start. And there are a uh-huh. lot of people that could never imagine having internal work. So then if you, in that first appointment, you're not cognizant of that, then you're not setting up a therapeutic relationship. Mm-hmm. There are a whole host of conditions where people truly cannot tolerate internal work. Right. And so that's another aspect. And, you know, you want this to be a very collaborative, trusting process, much in the work that you guys do, right? Mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. So you've got to establish that trust and that confidence from the very beginning. 
So then if we, you know, and we're also assessing structures above, you know, looking at the abdominal cavity, looking at the legs, the, the, those big muscle groups, your um, quadriceps in the front, your uh, hamstrings in the back, looking at your glutes, you know, looking to see are those strong, are those weak, because they all play a role in what's happening internally in the pelvic floor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then if we go internally, and I always I always travel with a pel- with a model pelvis. <laughs> yeah. Who doesn't? Because Who you doesn't? have to. I mean, how can you not? <laughs> That's fantastic. It's amazing. And so and it has removable parts. <gasps> yes. Right? It's a fancy so, one. <laughs> yeah. And so we always start externally because a lot of women are not comfortable or a lot of women don't are not familiar with the anatomy even externally mm-hmm. yes mm-hmm. and that's very empowering mm-hmm. so we spend a lot of time you know like here's the vulva here's the labia here's the urethra here's the vaginal opening and here's the rectal opening because you need to know i also i always have a mirror so that once we've done the the learning with the pelvic model, then if somebody's interested to look at their own external structures, once they're up on the table, they can absolutely do that. I'm a big fan of mirrors. So then, um, if you think about your, the opening, you know, or we call it the vaginal introitus, but that's just a fancy word for the vaginal opening. Mm-hmm. If you think of it like a clock, and you were to insert your own finger inside and so as you do that, you would have to actually take your hand and flip your hand up, right? So you've got the, the palmer, not the, got the palm side up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if, just imagine, if you will, you're putting a finger right inside and you're only going about as far as the middle, as the, that first knuckle on your index finger. Mm-hmm. And if you go straight up and you think you're going to 12 o'clock, think of that vaginal opening like a clock. Mm-hmm. So you're going straight up. And most of the time, that's where people's bladders are. Huh, okay. And most people don't know that because they've never been told. Yeah, and it's right there. It's literally right oh. there. Mm-hmm. Now, sometimes, you know, it prolapses or falls out a little bit when there's some pelvic floor dysfunction, pelvic floor weakness. But generally speaking, if you put a finger in right at 12 o'clock at the vaginal opening and you go in, to the first knuckle or maybe a little bit farther and you press up, you're going to press right on your bladder. Wow. Yeah. So we always start with that and always checking to make sure, like, is this okay? And I should also say that we go in with a gloved, very well lubricated finger mm-hmm. because that's important. And the word about lube, you want no parabens, no glycerin, no... Uh, perfume or fragrance mm-hmm. you want as benign a lube as you can possibly find. Okay. What's your preference, Kathy? You can tell so us. <laughs> I use it's called slippery stuff. Oh, oh. yeah, we're aware of that. Yes. <laughs> okay. It's good. It's good. Mm-hmm. You know, and not for almost everybody, I think that it's good. Um, and bef- well, just let me back out for one second yes. on the bladder because I do really want to encourage people for considering 
like moisturize and, and lubrication on the outside on mm-hmm. the vulva. Mm-hmm. Wonderful product that's called the Vital V. The Vital V. Yes. Okay. So like the Vital Vulva. Yep. Yeah. It's yeah. The Wild Yam Salve. Wow. Wild that you apply yam. externally, and it's super hydrating, super moisturizing, and I actually recommend it for all my postpartum moms and even women as they're like in that perimenopausal state and all my menopausal patients. We will put a link in the show notes for sure. It has yeah, many really stars on the Amazon. <laughs> I can tell you that right now. <laughs> yeah, it's so hydrating, so moisturizing. Reasonably priced. And in an acute jar. And in an acute jar, totally. So I'm a huge fan of the Vital B. This is great. I'm so learning so much. I know. <laughs> Should we, should we go back in? Yeah, it? yeah, let's go back in. Yeah, we're concentrating very hard, Kathy. You should see the looks on our faces. We're, like, really focused. <laughs> All right, so we, we've found the bladder, right? Mm-hmm. And then I think it's important for people that maybe have never touched their cervix that we should find the cervix. Mm-hmm. So it feels like the tip of your nose. Mm-hmm. And if, for you know, it's, it's not in one place on everybody. So if you think of, in Latin, they refer to the cervix as the neck of the uterus. Hmm. Okay. So if you think of it that it's at the end sure. of the uterus, right? So if you have a uterus that's maybe tipped up, you might have to go very deep in. So now I would be putting the whole finger in, and you've got to go up and look for it. It could be right in the midline if your uterus is midline. Or your uterus could be tipped down. So then sometimes you've got to go down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Okay? So then what I most, most often do is I think once we've identified those, I then, if you will, change the direction of my hand and I go down at 6 o'clock. If you look, think about the vaginal opening like a clock, mm-hmm. and then I go in and I go down. And I ask people, women, to lift the pelvis up off the table just a little bit if they're able to do so. And that allows patients to feel the tailbone or the coccyx. Oh, okay. Because we often think nobody ever considers their coccyx internally. Yeah. Right. And so then we can feel... I broke mine, so I do. Oh, oh I broke mine too, but I have not internally felt it. <laughs> So it might be I consider mine. I don't know that I felt it was a it, long it time might ago. It be interesting just to think about that broken tailbone that you thought about externally yeah. can also be accessed internally. Wow. That is, yeah, yeah. yeah. Your own spine, the, the bottom totally. of your spine. Totally. And it's held in place by all of this, by these muscles and this connective tissue. And if there's some kind of restriction or imbalance with, within the pelvic cavity or externally in the pelvic girdle, all of that imbalance is creating sort of a pull in the system, and that can create tension sure. and pressure and cause pain. Wow. All right, so that's the, the tailbone. Mm-hmm. And then what I usually do is I'll go back up to the bladder, so I'm pretty superficially inside. And then if you think about the clock, Right? You mm-hmm. just think about the clock, and uh, you, I tell people, okay, so now, you know, if I'm going on their right side, you imagine the clock, and you think, okay, here I am at 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, and, you know, so on, on the right side. And then if you think about different levels, right? So I'll be pretty superficial, 
and kind of do a sweep just to do a full assessment. Then I go a little bit deeper because mm-hmm. I want to see what's going on. Then I go even deeper in and often will have um, the patient draw their knee towards their chest in the midline. Mm-hmm. Then we can get deep in and then you, this is going to blow your mind, but then you can actually feel your obturator internus, which is a fancy muscle name for the muscles that give us the external and internal rotation of the hip. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. And you can also feel your piriformis muscle, which is this little muscle that Uh runs horizontally. Yeah. It attaches onto the sacrum and runs into the the big glute maximus, if you will. Um, And people... You'll often see people rolling on tennis balls. Every day. Pull out their glutes. Every and people day. people <laughs> like, oh, I have piriformis syndrome. Yeah. So you need to... Way down there. All good, but you also need to have someone do an internal. Internal. Wow. Because a lot of times you can release a lot of those restrictions internally. What? what? <laughs> <laughs> I can give my foam roller a little bit of a rest every single day this is amazing okay wow. and then you have to repeat on the left right you can't just do the one side yeah right? yeah yeah, yeah. No, and, so that's and what is you it can expect are people finding that painful is that uncomfortable it depends. i mean sometimes people absolutely find it very painful mm-hmm. well, i'm imagining like i've had like myofascial release yeah, yeah, on yeah, other yeah, parts yeah. of my body and mm-hmm. it's yes. not crazy pleasant <laughs> so i will say this Um, usually there'll be one side that we identify more areas that are restricted Mm -hmm. for most of us. We're not, we stand upright on two feet, but no one is symmetrical. Right, no. Um, The other thing that I think you need to be mindful of is that there's a difference between therapeutic pain and like, oh my God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I had a patient say to Mm -hmm. me once, wow, I've had pelvic PT before, and it always felt like someone had a hot poker inside of me. <gasps> oh, uh, And no. I was like, oh. No, 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 no. And she said, this feels very different. Yeah. And I said, I'm very glad to hear that. Yeah, yeah. Any she kind said, of therapy should not feel no. like a hot poker. <laughs> and I will also I'd say that with the myofascial release, it's beautiful for, pel- for internal work because the, the way that I am trained and I fully believe in it is that you are guiding and you are allowing release to happen Mm. you never lead and you never force because if you force tissue that's restricted it's mm going to go right back as soon as you as soon as you take your hand away from that area you may feel like oh i got it i got that tissue to release Mm -hmm. but guess what it's going to go right back Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. if you take a more gentle approach with time once the tissue begins to release it's going to stay released mm. that would be amazing wow 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 i yeah. have like so many questions i know <laughs> we have the ones from our listeners and it's like making yeah why questions. don't we why don't we yeah. do listener questions and then we'll talk about like maybe what the average lady can do yeah, yeah. yes absolutely yeah, yeah. Well, how about that anatomy lesson, listeners? That was a lot more than I expected to learn in that interview. We hope that you'll tune into the second part of this interview 
pelvic floor Q&A with Kathy Cates to get some of maybe your more specific questions answered and to hear some of the questions that other listeners have submitted. We hope that you've learned a lot and had some fun. So that's it, moms. That's the last bite for today. But in case you're hungry for more, head on over to the Mama Bites website. That's M-O-M-M-A, Mama Bites website, and stream more of our podcasts. Or find them anywhere that you find your podcasts. iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play. And don't forget to stop by Instagram. And definitely come on by our Facebook group, the Mama Bites Lunch Table. We'd love to have you there. And until we meet again next time, remember, motherhood is a long journey. Don't forget to pack some snacks.